0: Brady Leavold, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leovold as he began to turn heads in the Junior League.
1: Only pass for Long, he's got Leavold with him. Long walks in, centers, to right-hand shot, rotates to the
0: 10-0, Long back to Leovold.
1: And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues. And it's Lealold and Curran. They're both getting in shots. Now Lealold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion.
0: What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin?
1: They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills.
0: Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. This is episode number 17. This is Brady Liebold coming at you guys again from Muskoka, Ontario, uh, guys that's a brand new intro I want to say thanks to Steve Buckley from uh, Beaverton Oregon actually he reached out to me on Facebook uh, sent me a couple audio clips sent me a couple videos he uh, has a company it's called five hooligans media I'll try to find a link for it uh, guys he does awesome work so he's been helping me out I want to say thanks to him he's done quite a few videos in the last week uh, he's putting in the work so thanks to Steve um, once again we're in the matt Lashinsky studio um construction has been put on hold a little bit but i got confirma- confirmation that uh matt thompson's actually going to make his way down here from the ottawa area may 30th for a couple of days which is great um for anyone that hasn't heard i'm going to keep mentioning it every single podcast matthew Lashinsky Former Sue Greyhound, uh, second round pick of them, uh, 87 birth years, same age as me. Uh, we lost him to an overdose, uh, struggle with addiction. Uh, we lost Matthew Lashinsky in 2017. Uh, I had never met him, uh, but a new friend of mine, Matt Thompson, uh, brought this to my attention. And uh, after I found that out, I decided that I would name this studio that I was building uh, in, in his honor. Uh, And it's been it's been really good. I'm really happy to be able to do this. And uh, actually, uh, uh, I actually had some flooring dropped off this morning because we're actually going to make it bigger. It's in an old chicken coop, but we're making it bigger another 12 feet. So it'll be 22 by 8 in total putting a whole new roof on a bunch of stuff so it's obviously we need a lot of materials so i put a thing on facebook a lot of people have been so supportive uh a new friend of mine sean Horswell, who also bought me a pair of brand new pair of gloves and a stick like incredible stuff uh he owns a trucking company and this morning uh, i wasn't here but he sent one of his drivers uh, with a skid of uh, laminate flooring for the studio they just dropped it off out of nowhere so uh thank you to sean uh, that's incredible. Also, not yesterday, the day before, in the mail, I got a package from a guy by the name of Rob McDougall. Uh, he owns, I believe he owns a studio. He's into photography and that. Well, he, uh, I guess, saw on Facebook that my favorite band is the Tragically Hip. So he sent me uh, an incredible picture of Gord Downey, this print that, uh, in this beautiful frame. Uh, so that's going to be the first, or probably the second thing I'm going to hang up in the studio because... Uh, the first thing that's going to be hung up is a plaque uh, that a guy by the name of Chad Balcom, he, he has a, a podcast, I think he has, it's WHL Unfiltered I believe is his podcast. Sorry Chad if I'm saying that wrong but we'll correct it for sure. Um, but he's uh, agreed to make the plaque. Uh, he sent me a couple prototypes uh, yesterday and this morning and it's looking fantastic. So I'm really excited about that. So that'll be the first thing about the picture. Uh, of Gore Downey with a second I'm excited to have that so there's lots going on Uh, guys it's just been incredible my computer packed it in the other day Uh, I got a donation Uh, this guy wants to remain anonymous Uh, all I'm going to tell you is he's a fellow hockey player he's been out of hockey for a long long time I barely know the guy I've met him once in my life when I was 16 Uh, he found out my computer died and this guy sent me $1,000 uh, the other day, and I didn't want to take the money, but he's like, I, I insist, what you do with the money is ultimately up to you. Um, and before, guys, listen, I would have taken that money and spent it on my drug habits, spent it on whatever um and that would have been it but listen i sent the money straight to my dad and my dad ordered me a computer and the next day i got a brand new macbook air so like that's what i have in front of me right now so i want to say thank you to him he wants to remain anonymous but you know who you are thank you so so much i'm gonna have this computer for a long time uh, also my dad contributed some money to towards it too so thank you to him again my dad's always pulling through for me so thank you so so much um other than that I want to say once again, this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all, striving towards the same goal. Uh, guys, head over to teamissued.ca, check out the clothing. Uh, I promote it all the time. Their hats are super comfy. All their clothing, women's, men's, kids, all of it is, is awesome. It's a WHL alumni Uh, Kelowna Rocket, Moose Jaw Warrior alumni's company, Jesse Paradise, Um, use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off. Also, I want to say, guys, uh, go to uh, my website, www.hockeytoheroine.com. fill out the uh, member sign-up or any of the uh, customer sign-ups on the website, Uh, You'll automatically get entered into all the draws. I'm expecting a a big shipment of team-issued gear like tomorrow or Monday. So I'm telling you, we're going to be giving away a lot of stuff, and their stuff is nice. So uh, that's how we're going to do it. So sign up on the website. uh, And guys, check it out because, I mean, I'm telling you, the hats are the most comfortable hats I've ever had on my whole entire life. Uh, other than that, let's get right into episode 17. It's a real pleasure to have this guy on. Uh, this guy is an also, uh, also a WHL alumni and NHL alumni. Uh, this guy was a highly-touted junior prospect, uh, playing out of Sitka his minor hockey in the Salmon Arm area. Uh, super high draft pick in the Bantam Draft by the Calgary Hitmen. Third overall in 96. This guy tore up the Western League. 240 games, 91 goals, 165 assists, 256 points. That's over a point a game. Not to mention, he had about a point a game in his playoff career, too. He helped the Calgary Hitmen to uh, Ed Chino's, uh Cup, Western League Championship. They didn't win in the Memorial Cup, but. Uh, they had a hell of a run. He played on the line, I believe, with Pavel Brendel, who was also an incredible junior. Uh, this guy per, uh, took part in the CHL Top Prospects game. Like I said, WHL champion. Uh, he has a huge AHL career, too. He's an AHL player of the week a few times. Uh, team MVP for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. A couple times. He also won the Calder Cup in 05-06. Uh, he, he also played a lot over in Europe after he was done in North America. I know uh, I want to talk to him about that decision because I know that's never easy. Uh, but let's get right into it because I want to talk about what this guy's doing now with himself. Uh, Chris Beach drafted 7th overall by the Washington Capitals in 1999. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on Hockey to Hero on the Road to Recovery.
1: Oh, wow what an introduction that's uh uh thank you brady thanks for having me uh it's an honor to be on on uh podcast here uh what a what a tremendous job you're doing and and, uh, an important conversation uh you're open with uh, about your experience and and i'm honored to be here thank you
0: no no chris i mean it's a real honor to have you on and i mentioned it on a facebook video earlier but uh You know, growing up in Vancouver, as you know, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, major junior teams to look up to. Uh, I know the Vancouver Giants came in, but that was, I mean, you were already in, gone probably out of the league by then, maybe your last year. But, I mean, we didn't have those teams to look up to. So, I didn't even really know what the WHL was, I'll be honest. And the only reason I knew what it was is because I was a huge wrestling fan. And I was a huge Brett the Hitman Hart fan. So, my dad... Uh bought me the calgary hitman jersey back in the very first year and this jersey actually is was so violent or whatever that they actually had to change it or whatever so anyways i followed the team really closely and that's how you know i always followed you and pavel Brendel, and um you know growing up i i knew you were from bc and you know you broke into the nhl wow what an experience but what was your experience in calgary like because i mean you have ex Unbelievable numbers, bud. Like, come on, man. You tore that league up. What was that like for you? Yeah, no, it was it was a, a great experience.
1: And, yes, uh, Brett the Hitman art, was um, part owner and, and was around the team uh, quite often. So we were able to uh, go to his house a number of times for, for dinner and got to fool around in his uh, wrestling ring there. So that was neat. Um, he actually he actually saved my uh my dad from a little bit of a skirmish in the crowd at the memorial cup because so he was a little bit of our our bodyguard my dad was a uh brilliant guy but a bit of a mouthpiece in the stands so uh but no calgary was um calgary was great i mean it was uh like you said i was a uh bantam draft pick in the first round uh prospect for calgary um we we were a um, uh, a team with with a lot of firepower in my time there they had uh they had come out of their expansion years and, and just in time for my arrival started to to make some noise in the league and my first year as a 16 year old uh we went to uh the the uh, third round uh, against uh and lost against a, a really tough Brandon Lee Kings team there and then um yeah we were the next next year was my 17 year old year draft year we were uh, ranked number one in the country for, for parts of that season. Um, as you mentioned, guys like Paolo Brendel came in there and, and lit up the league with over 70 goals and, and lit up the playoffs. Brad Moran was a, was a big game. Matt Kinch, we acquired Matt, uh, Brad Stewart at the trade deadline that year uh, and went on to win the championship in and, and the Mem Cup. And um, From there, a couple more years, again, uh, great teams ranked ranked number one again the next year um so yeah we are we were fortunate to uh to be a part of that organization at that time and, and have uh, such a, a winning culture um, so it was, it was uh, a lot of success um uh, but as as you know there's uh there's also some other other uh components to that experience and the ups and downs of uh, moving away from home and and um, uh, junior hockey and some of the, the pressures that uh, that can be involved with that as well. So it was um, a lot of a success, but also uh, uh, some adversities uh, through that experience as well there in Calgary.
0: Well, for sure, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, and I've touched on it on the podcast quite a bit, but. Uh, You know some guys have no trouble moving away from home at a young age some guys um, Are just so focused on their hockey career whatever, but everyone's different right and uh, I was I had a lot of trouble just with uh, I didn't even know what was going on with me at the time You know looking back on it now. I have a little bit better understanding of it, but uh, you know I've always made it a point you know even going through my addiction even when I was the most messed up I always thought if I could get out of this I want it to be my goal to sort of make sure that, you know, or help in some way to give players an outlet to sort of help and whatever. And I didn't really know what that looks like. I still don't know what that looks like, but you do kind of know what that looks like and what you're doing today. Uh, I was going to wait till later to talk about that, but you're actually a mindfulness coach. And that's something that's really powerful. And mindfulness is something that's really taken off in the last decade, I would say. And I'll be honest, the only reason that I'm really familiar with it is because I went to rehab so many times and uh, they try to teach you a little bit about it in there. And I think it's so powerful. Um, But I wanted to talk to you too, Chris, about your experience because you were such a highly touted, um, you know, hockey player right from the beginning, Uh, third overall in the Bantam draft, uh, seventh overall in the NHL draft. You know, I never had that experience. Most people never will. Um, But at the same time, that also brings added pressure. Uh, did, was it hard for you? I know maybe you didn't have the NHL career that you had hoped, uh, but what were some, some of the challenges that maybe looking back now, uh, did you kind of wish that you had somebody to lean on? Is that kind of why you're doing this or can we kind of talk about that? Walk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that um, there's so many elements to uh, our unique experience and, and you, you nailed it on the head. Uh, everyone moves through the experience in their in their own way. Um, and uh, you know as a in my experience, um, I was always uh, being compared to players from a young age. I mean the first the first comparison that I heard of was uh, the next Ge Fleur and I think I was 12 years old yeah. when I heard that and then it just continued on as i moved through my um experience so there was there's definitely a lot of hype uh around me as a young player and and um you know that that definitely built up on uh on expectation that built up on on an identity that was centered around that hype and being the best and um and to no fault of anyone in my support network uh there was there was little in the form of grounding um and my parents were along for the ride too. They had never experienced what was happening, and they have a young athlete who's getting all this, uh, all these accolades and and uh, comparisons. So they were they're along for that hype ride as well. And, and again, no fault of, of theirs. They're new to the experience. So uh, you got a, a young athlete, a lot of hype, uh, identity built around that hype, and and uh, that that future stardom. Um, you mix in. Uh, the expectations that come with that, uh, mix in some other elements of, of uh, student athlete experience, moving away from home, balancing um, academics and competition, difficult uh, managing new uh, leadership styles, new coaches, uh, and then you add in personal life experiences that come into come into the picture, and, and um, that was definitely part of my story as well experiencing uh some uh trauma um in in my uh, personal life as a, as a teen um that would lead to a uh, post-traumatic stress eating disorder that i was managing during my draft year and would last uh, four or five years into pro so um these are all things that that i was uh juggling and and um it's a mixed bag for each unique experience and most definitely um, looking back on it uh, I I wish I had a a mentor and a a role model uh, and someone that could um, help uh, provide uh, tools and and proactive skills uh, to manage all these different different uh, experiences both you know both the, the adversities but also the successes and I think. A lot of people um, have this uh, uh, kind of reactive approach to, um, you know, working on this part of our, our game, the, the mind and and well-being of the mind. Uh, and it's, it's um, something that, uh, you know, people will say, OK, now I'm struggling, now I'm suffering. OK, now I should do something to take care of it. Whereas we're, we're starting to see in research, we're starting to see in, in the field that we're shifting to a proactive approach where these are in fact skills, these are in fact tools that we can put time into and practice just like any other physical skill and you don't have to be in the bottom of the barrel or suffering or, or being um, in a position of of low self-confidence to benefit from uh, committing to uh, pr- practicing and training uh, these, these skills and, and having a mentor in, in that sense, um, a coach um, in that sense. So uh, most definitely, uh, you mentioned it, um, I have a set of experiences. I've been through the gamut with this game. Uh, I've got a lot of life experiences, some education, and um, that has motivated me to uh, give back, uh, to, uh, to the kids, to the environment, uh,
0: in, in, uh, that proactive, uh, positive way. You know, it's, it's awesome to hear that, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at, look at, you know, the way that, you know, gear has changed sticks and skates and everything, but we have to look at the way that, you know, these sort of things have changed too with techniques of you know the power of the mind and the way that we think and uh just you know i can't even tell you how how much more now i realize you know the power of thinking and um you know so for people that don't know uh mindfulness by definition uh is the practice of maintaining a non-judgment non-judgmental state of heightened or complete awareness of one's thoughts emotions or experiences on a moment-to-moment basis um, it's really interesting right uh, because like you said I liked what you said because it's true like your parents too right you mentioned them going through the experience of having a son uh, that is getting all these accolades like you said uh, they had never gone there's no book. there was no book for that there was no training for that they had no teaching for that um, You know, so they were just trying to do what the best and they were excited for you just as you were excited, um, you know, and that is such a common story. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, not that common because not everybody gets drafted so high. But I'm saying there's in that category of the small percentage of uh, high high elite athletes, you hear this story quite often and, uh, you know, when things don't work out quite the way that we want them to because that never happens really for most of us how do we manage that um how was it for you when you had to make the decision to uh go to europe because i know from a hockey player stand up standpoint it's like once you make that decision it's kind of hard almost to come back unless it's during a lockout year right but was that a decision that were you like still enjoying playing hockey or where, where were you at when you made that decision i was just curious to ask you that
1: yeah, well, that's a yeah, that's a, a big uh, big jump. Uh, uh, there was a lot that went on um, in my in my seven years in North America as a pro uh, that led to that decision. Um, uh, I can give you a little bit of a, a, a overview of, of kind of what was going on, but um, yeah, first first round draft pick, uh, highly rated. Prospect uh, to Washington in '99, and and um, uh, high high hopes and high expectations. Uh, right before my first year pro, I got traded to uh, to Pittsburgh uh, in the deal that saw Yammer Yager go from Pittsburgh to Washington. It was me and a couple other prospects, um, uh, friends of mine, second rounders uh, that went to uh, Pittsburgh. Um, so a high profile trade and. Uh, if you look at a lot of lists, so it uh, makes one of the it makes a lot of top ten worst trades in history. So, uh, so yeah, it was a high profile at the time, and and in my mind, again, the chatter around that deal was that I was a big part of that deal. And and when I got to Pittsburgh, straight out of the, the GM's mouth, I was uh, he compared me to Ron Francis and a possible potential franchise player for them coming in there. Um, uh, Lemieux just came back from retirement the year before, so. Again, a lot of a lot of hype around that year, and, and played as a twenty-year-old um, uh, with the Penguins that year, and did did fairly well as a twenty-year-old. It's not easy to play in the NHL at that, that age. Um, you know, so from there, uh, successful rookie year. Uh, went into my second year, um, you know, making uh, the effort to improve on my first year and then have a good sophomore year. No expectation other to be other than to be in the NHL. And, and continue that that uh, drive for uh, being that franchise player but uh, the team had other thoughts for me and, and uh, ended up sending me down to the AHL and uh, this was not on my radar one bit uh, and it was a, a big blow to my identity, my confidence my expectations uh, it, was, uh, it was something that would affect how I viewed success the rest of my career and uh, would, uh, continue to, uh, reach, try to reach that bar of that stardom, that franchise player. So, um, I went down to the minors and, and, uh, it was challenging. Uh, my time in Wilkes-Barre was, um, you know was, uh, again, it was, it was a lot of great people down there. I made some great friends. So I enjoyed my time down there. Um, but it was uh, again, that, 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 Expectation and that bar always hanging over my head of, uh, of, um, of what success was. So, um, you know, I, I would continue to, to be in the organization for uh, a few years, right through the, the lockout year there um, in 04 05 with uh, Colby Armstrong, Ryan Whitney, Matt Murley, all those guys. Um, we had a great year. Marc Andre Fleury was down there, uh, really skilled league in the AHL. Um, from there, uh, would sign back with the Penguins, and uh, right before training camp in my fifth year, got traded to uh, Nashville, and would go on to that organization. Um, you know, uh, got to uh, got to play alongside some great players there. Got called up um, for a few games in Nashville, but essentially spent uh, most of my time in in Milwaukee um, that season. Got to the trade deadline. Got traded back to Washington where I was drafted. And, um, you know, my, my journey up until this point, again, was chasing that NHL regularity, that stardom. And um, in that trade, I, I uh, talked to the GM and he said, You're going to come and play uh, the rest of the season with us. So 20 games. And that's what I wanted. So went there. Ovechkin was there in his rookie year, scoring 50 goals. So that was uh, a pretty neat experience uh, to see him do that. A lot of Russian dance music and, and disco balls flying around the dressing <laughs> room. So it was pretty neat to see. Uh, he was amazing, one of my favorite teammates. Um, uh, didn't last long there. I was there for a couple games. Uh, they sent me down to Hershey after two games. Uh, the coach at the time was like, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. I thought you were going to be here the rest of the year. Down to Hershey I went. I was there for a couple games. Back up to Washington and then back down to Hershey for the, uh, the rest of the, the season where I would, uh, uh, be part of, uh, that Calder cup, uh, championship team. We had a phenomenal team that year. We, um, swept the first two rounds, one 12 straight, um, with players like Brooks, like Dave Steckel, Boyd Gordon, uh, Mike Green, Thomas Fleischman. Uh, so it was a, it was a pretty, pretty stacked, stacked team. Um, and uh, from there, would sign back with Washington, played a full year with the Capitals uh, alongside uh, Ovechkin for a year to see what he he'd do night in, night out. And the guy was, uh, um, like I said, a great teammate, a great leader. He got a lot of flack for many years, but uh, just an eccentric guy. But he was uh, positive. He wouldn't hear a, a negative word come out of his mouth about himself or the team or the coach and and uh a guy that was uh, genuinely happy for other success so he had a big impact on on me um from there I did it decent with the with the time I got at in in Washington and um, went to the off season after that season and I was a restricted free agent um and they they waited to the deadline to inform me they were going to go with someone else and and uh, didn't offer me that uh, that 10 raise on my contract. So free agency um, went into my my final year in North America. Signed with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Went into camp with um, some expectations uh, from the team that I would be fighting for a second line center spot. Um, got got there, and, and at this point, uh, my 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 resilience was. Uh, was uh, definitely chipped away at the ups and downs trying to meet that expectation of that stardom um was was wearing on me and and I was you know my off-ice game was was full tilt as well I was uh, um you know a lot of shadow side behavior to manage the ups and downs partying uh so my my lifestyle wasn't uh, wasn't necessarily the healthiest um, at the time so went into camp and and uh I still played okay and ended up being one of the last cuts of that team down to Syracuse uh, at this point um, I was uh, really uh, challenged uh, mentally in Syracuse and uh, it was a point where I started to to um, really find it tough to to get to the rink I found it tough to enjoy the game I, I hit a, a significant uh, athlete burnout um, and was the first uh, diagnosis of major depressive disorder in Syracuse. Um, so a tough time, uh, but I was able to show up. I still showed up, and I was, uh, I was a professional athlete, and I knew um, what I could do to contribute to the team, uh, no matter how I was feeling. Uh, so I kept showing up, and I played well enough to get called back up to The NHL after 15 games in Syracuse. So back up to Columbus, I went and um, was there for uh, a total of two months and and, uh, played some of the the best hockey of my career um, at the NHL level in Syracuse. And uh, two months came up, and and, uh, at the time, there was a rule in the CBA uh, that said um, after two months for, for a guy on a two way contract the team had to make a decision and the decision was do we tell this guy to get a place for the rest of the year or do we put him on waivers and and clear him through waivers uh, to kind of circumvent that that decision uh they decided to put me on waivers and that happened um in the middle of the week uh so i went on waivers and uh it was a you know obviously a bit of an uncertain time but they told me if I was going to clear waivers, that they weren't going to send me back to Syracuse, I would be playing on Saturday night and be in the lineup. So I went uh, went on waivers and uh, waited a few days, and I got a call and I got picked up um, by uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, you know, a, a difficult time leaving uh, Columbus because it was somewhere where I had kind of found my game at that level. I enjoyed the team. It was a, a, a great group of guys, uh, led by Adam Foote and, and Sergey Fedorov. Mike Pekka was there. Uh, so really, uh, Jody Shelley was a phenomenal uh, teammate as well. Mm-hmm. So great group of guys. So it's tough to leave them. But on to Vancouver, my home province, an opportunity again. Uh, Brendan Morrison was out with an injury, so that second-line center spot was there, uh, up for grabs. So came into Vancouver and... Um, didn't last long i was here for a couple weeks and, and played uh, played four games and um after the fourth game i got into a meeting with the coach and and he informed me he didn't think i was fast enough for his team or for the league and that he was going to put me on waivers and and hoped i could work on my skating in, in the ahl which was a a contrast to the coach in columbus who essentially told me i was i was a regular and proved that i could be a regular in the nhl so uh, a mixture of messages and, and a confusing uh, time for me at that, uh, at that point. So back on waivers I went, and um, again, just waiting around, waiting, uh, get a call, and I get picked back up. So picked up by Washington. So back back to the team I was on before, uh, the year before, same, uh, same GM that drafted me, George McPhee, uh, talked to him on the phone, Uh, Coming into Washington, he said, you know, we're we're glad to have you back. Should have qualified you. So on the phone with my buddies uh, saying I'm I'm coming back, so excited to get back there and and play with that team. Uh, Get to the airport and go to uh, customs at the airport, U.S. Customs. Um, Customs agent asked me, okay, where where are you headed? What are you doing? What are you doing down here? So. That I'm going to uh, DC to, to play hockey and he looks at my passport and he says well where's your P1 work visa? And I said I don't know and uh, he, he essentially said well I think that the Canadian border agent probably ripped it out of your passport as you came into uh, Canada to work so we're not gonna let you uh, go down to your new team at this oh. moment in time so I got denied entry into the U.S. Uh, called the capitals, let them know what happened. They put me up in uh, the hotel at the airport there, and, and was waiting to hear hear back from them on uh, what the status was of getting this visa sorted out. Um, at the time, uh, you know, it was uh, it was uh, quite a quite a challenging moment um, to uh, you know figure that out and. and uh, a few days rolled by. I hadn't heard from them. Got a call from the GM and he informed me that they were putting me on waivers. And, oh, my God. Uh, starting, me, starting me off in uh, in Hershey. So, uh, back on waivers, I went. Uh, sitting in the uh, hotel. Still don't have my work visa. And uh, a few days go by and I get picked up. So, picked back up by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh uh, the, team, the team where it all started. So, um, back there. And and again, like I knew a bunch of guys that I played with in the HL were, were on the team now. Um, uh, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby was there. Malkin was there. Uh, these guys were, were on fire, poised for, for a run. And, um, my old coach from the HL was there. So he knew me, Michelle Terrian. So heading into a familiar situation. Uh, so I was pumped. Um, the only thing was, that I still didn't have my visa, so uh, that that took another uh, at least a week to get that. So I was in the in the airport uh, hotel, trying to stay in shape in the gym there. No ice. Finally got my visa. Headed down to Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, coach gave me a couple couple practices to uh, to get into into shape, and you're well aware of how easy that is to get into game shape and in practice and um but uh eventually got into uh into some into my five games there with with the penguins in 08 and um in my fifth game went into a a corner with big glenn wesley there veteran D-man with carolina and and, uh we went in a 50-50 puck i went in to give him a bit of a cold shoulder uh, reverse hit and he didn't exactly fall for it and he knocked me uh, flying into the boards and i braced myself with my right hand and broke my right wrist five games into that uh, opp- opportunity and, and as you know um there's someone right on your heels to to jump into that spot uh, when that happens so
0: um
1: stuck around in pittsburgh they, they uh i recovered right before playoff time and um they they kept me around as a, as an extra uh, for that playoff run where they they went to uh, the finals and and um, lost to Detroit in the finals there in 08. So I got to see I got to see and be a part of that team and be around uh, that team and and, and what they uh, were capable of doing. Uh, so it was a phenomenal experience. So that was my that was my uh, seventh <laughs> year in North America and, and um, my eighth year I signed back with the Pens. Uh, and uh, you know, went to camp and lasted two days, and, and they put me on waivers and sent me down to wilkes Bear And it was just at that point where my uh, you know my my resilience and uh, was, was tapped out. I, I was uh, had a big desire for stability, and uh, that's when I made the choice to to head over to Europe um, at that point. So um yeah that's so it was uh a, a bit of a long answer to your question, but that was um that was the you know essentially the choice for me and and at that point in time was uh was um an easy choice uh, in fact so
0: yeah well no i mean I'm glad that you never mind the long answer that was i love listening to that that's great so you know. That's, see, that's an inside to, to the life of a hockey player that not everybody gets to hear. And that's exactly why I want to do this show. And that is the bullshit, that, the grind uh, that a lot of hockey players, a lot of athletes go through that people do not know. Um, I never went through it that much or that long because I got messed up my first year pro I made a little bit of, but I mean geez man like then you went and played in Europe for a few years I mean you must have made decent money over there because you know as you know you get drafted you know you you played in the NHL your first rounder and that makes a big difference over there but what what was the style of hockey like in in comparison I mean I played a little bit over there too but your what's your uh you know your analysis of it uh you know the bigger ice and would you like to see the bigger ice over North America or what, what are your thoughts on that? having played both yeah no i think um
1: uh, i went to sweden for for three years and uh i i loved the hockey there i, I think there's mixed mixed uh, opinions for for north americans that go over to to sweden to play but i absolutely loved it um it's more defensive than people realize uh, they're they're uh they're they're one two two kings over there so um <laughs> For example, when I when I got there, the uh, the coach said, because I was a centerman, um, he said, you know, centermen here don't really forecheck too much. They kind of they they hang out on the on the left side and and they're that that left left piece of of uh, the one two two. Uh, the left winger is usually the first uh, the first guy in you know, on the forecheck or or is at the top of that one two two. So um, that was a bit of an adjustment for me. Um, but, yeah, the big ice, uh, you have to really be creative to create things because there's so much time and there's so much space and there's so much opportunity for uh, defensemen to um, recover. And uh, so the, the creativity uh, required to, uh, to uh, get things done on the big ice is, is definitely um, amplified on and, and the smaller ice things happen very quickly um, you know mistakes are are quite often turned into uh, opportunities and, and quite often are the are, are quick opportunities whereas there um, like I said there's just more space more room and, and um, you really you really have to be creative and uh, our our and and the, the, the you know the conception um, of uh, what European hockey is all about in Sweden is that it's um, highly skilled, highly offensive and, and our best line, which was the best line in the league at that time 5-on-5 uh, five five, they, they would get the puck and they would um, get it into the zone uh, and they would, they would that was, they played very very simple uh, and then they would just get on the power play and absolutely dominate um so there's this you know they were the best line in the league we had one of the best players in the league at that time joan davidson so um but yeah i love the hockey there finland was uh, a bit of a mix between the big ice surface and the north american ice surface it's right in, in between and the style was a bit of a mix as well it was a more more physical league a little tougher league but still highly skilled um, so those, you know, those leagues were were uh, were great, and I think people don't um, really understand the, the quality of, of play over there. Um, not only in Sweden and Finland, but Switzerland is is a great league, and uh, Russia obviously is a good league. Germany's, you know, the top six teams, top seven teams in Germany, um, you know, they can compete with uh, with many of the teams and best teams in Europe. Austria has some great players, so uh, there's a lot of talented players out there in Europe, and and um, I love the hockey there. Uh, and experiencing the the, the different cultures um, and how people do things in different countries was one of my favorite parts. And uh, you can you can learn a lot from uh, from living different ways of life and and seeing how they do things. So yeah, it was. Uh, and plus, I my, one of my greatest accomplishments in my career was uh, finding my wife in Sweden and marrying her. So um, it was a, a great experience uh, in many different ways.
0: Yeah, know for sure. I, you know, getting to enjoy those different cultures. I always hear from guys. I mean, I was over in Holland for a bit. It was a horrible experience for me, just where I was at with my addiction and everything. I ended up leaving because I was really dope sick, and it was just horrible. But um, I hear from guys that I played with or I'm friends with, whatever, and you know they're. Uh, Hopping on the trains or whatever going to different countries on days off and they're just having a blast Uh, You know Did you find love for the game again? Because I mean that must have been a grind over here up and down up and down up and down as you said but once you were over there um, Did you start to enjoy hockey more and do you wish that you kind of went and did that earlier? I mean, there's no you can't really look back and say oh wish I would have done this but um, Because you never know how things are gonna work out but was it was hockey more enjoyable once you went over there again, or or what?
1: Yeah, that definitely. I think, um, but it's again, it's uh, it's something. There was a lot going on at that point in time, not only with hockey, but also health uh, of my mind. You um, I mentioned the the major depressive diagnosis, which was something that I was still still managing through the whole time. Um, uh, and, um, I, 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 never, I can look back and say every experience was exactly how it should have been. Uh, so my decision uh, to go was the right time and, and, um, I never have regretted any, any decision, um, in, in that experience. But, uh, uh, yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely found enjoyment for the game again. Um, but I was still managing the health of my mind and, uh, was the first time we actually got the correct diagnosis in Sweden as uh, a uh, bipolar disorder. So um, that uh, was the first time that I had found that correct uh, diagnosis with what was going on. So, and I was at a, a lower degree and lower spectrum of uh, bipolar disorder. So there's there's people far far more uh, sick than 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 I was, um, but uh, that was where I really. Really started to figure out uh, what I needed to do to to get healthy, and that's when I, um, you know, figured out that uh, alcohol was probably not my friend, um, and started to experiment with uh, quitting drinking. Um, I, I started to that's where I started uh, really focusing on uh, mindfulness practice as part of my uh, health and well being. Um, so that's the first time I committed to a daily, regular uh, training of the mind in, in focus and attention was in Sweden to to, um, to help uh, with many different things, including performance on the ice and well-being away from the ice, and it uh, it made a huge impact on on my life. Obviously, to to motivate me to share with other people, um, but yeah, it. Uh, uh, there was still tough times with the game over there, but, uh, definitely, uh, it was an environment, um, where I was able to really work on, uh, myself and really, uh, be able to, uh, take a different perspective on my career and, uh, be able to finally look back on it, um, and, and see the, the success, uh, I had in my career and, and uh, most definitely, um, relearn to be with the game in, in, a, in an enjoyable way um, and it took some I'll be, I'll be straight with you it, it took some work and it took some effort uh, but it, uh, it gradually gradually came back and, and um, I had a lot of support including the team there in Sweden they, they knew full on what I was going through in terms of my health uh, and they were very supportive there uh, my, my family uh, my, my uh, girlfriend wife now Family very supportive so um definitely uh, an environment that helped me uh, enjoy the game because uh everything that I was going through um there was this part of me that wasn't enjoying the game I, I'd lost I'd lost that spark for it and um that bugged me that really bugged me because I knew deep down that I still loved that loved the game of hockey and that was one of my
0: yourself while you were over there Kristen. yeah and uh you you know you finished off your career you played pro 15 years uh you know it's interesting to hear you say that you're able to look back and realize your successes because yeah i mean holy shit man like you have a very successful hockey career like your accolade like just the things you've accomplished are are outstanding you know like uh i can understand um maybe not fully understand cuz i didn't go through it the same way you went uh that you had high expectations being whatever and it maybe but at the same time uh looking back you know you you had you play got to play the game you love at the, some of the highest levels um you know and now i think maybe the best part i don't know for sure but you've been able to find something outside of hockey while still uh you know still being a part of the game of hockey because i know a lot of people when they walk away from the game they find out it's very difficult to find something that they love that they have meaning purpose all that stuff i know it was for me um this has been great for me but for you so uh you you retired um what in 2015 or uh just thereafter after playing uh, in britain right and uh you actually um got your mindfulness instructor certification from the Uh, Arizona-based McLean Meditation Institute. Uh, Yeah, that was in 2015. You also got your master's in sports management from uh, North Ireland's Ulster University in 2016. So you've actually, you know, you got right to it after you retired and you were, you know, decided that you were going to go, you know, and help people. And uh, obviously you're helping yourself too. And it's it's phenomenal. So I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, what is it exactly that you are doing? I know you also work, uh, for the Delta Hockey Academy in BC, which is a great program. I'm not that familiar with it cause it wasn't around so much when I was a kid. Um, but I know you guys have produced a lot of great players. You guys have a wonderful program, uh, outside of hockey too. That's the thing that I like. Um, it's easy to put on a great hockey program with great coaches and all that. Um, maybe not easy, um, but it's, it's harder to, um, teach it, teach it things outside of hockey that, you know, cause not all these kids are going to make it to the NHL. Let's be honest. Um, but all these kids are going to have lives and jobs and families and everything else. So. You know, being able to give them these tools to you know teach them mindfulness and uh, power the mind and positive thinking and all these tools—they uh, have so many, so many like great impacts outside of hockey. And I think that's the thing that I like to see the most. Um, but tell people a little bit about what you do, what you're doing these days. I know you're busy. Uh, you have a couple different companies, but yeah, tell people what you're doing, Chris. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the athlete
1: transition is definitely. Um, well-documented as a as and it's not only for professional or elite amateur athletes where it's difficult to transition Um, the research shows that uh, even at even at uh, younger ages um, it's hard to uh, transition out of a a life where you're you're completely dedicated to uh, competition and and sport, and um, when that is um, when that is taken away um, and it, uh, definitely takes a piece of your identity. So, uh, you know, everything that, that, uh, you know, a lot of life satisfaction as an athlete and as an elite athlete comes from that environment. So it's hard to, it's hard to replicate. And, and as you know, with, with, um, elite sport, uh, or sport, the feeling and a feeling of success, uh, achievement, um, you know, it's and the immediate feedback that we we get in that environment on, on our success and and overcoming challenges is uh, is really tough to replicate outside of sports. So that transition is um, is definitely ch- uh, challenging. You know? But yeah, towards the end, towards the end of the career, there I start to um, to explore other interests, and um, you know, I think it's which is critical to uh, not only athletes at that level but young athletes and um, the exploration of other other sports other interests is uh, is super important not only for um not only for uh, uh, well-being but also for performance and um the ability to to have other things to put positive energy into is is, is phenomenal and, and one of my greatest experiences in, in the game was that last year where I was studying a master's program at the same time as, as playing. It was, um, the combination was, was phenomenal and it didn't take away from the energy I had for the game. It actually, uh, gave me more energy for practice and and for competition and being around that environment. So, um, something that I, I really, you know, try to talk to our kids about is, uh, is really making sure you're exploring, um, multiple interests and, and, uh, something very important. Um, but yeah, now today, um, I've been working, uh, transitioned uh, out of sport into my own company, uh, started a company where I was, um, uh, working with, uh, teaching mindfulness, um, to, uh, young athletes, uh, to, uh, businesses, um, to, ever, to whomever would like to, to learn and, and teaching from a, a proactive um, uh, perspective. So I'm not a I'm not qualified to to uh, to manage uh, uh, mental health clinical mental health. Um, my my approach comes from uh, you know, the performance and well being approach where we compare it to uh, working on and being proactive with uh, another skill set and. Uh, this skill set is a little less tangible than the physical skills that we work on, but just as important. And, um, and so that's gradually progressed. And I got hooked up with uh, with Delta to help them out in that area. Gradually became an assistant coach with their U17 program. Worked with Yogi Szykowski there, an ex-player. Who I've learned a tremendous amount from. One of the, in all my years as a coach, I've never seen someone so detailed, systematically, and have the ability to integrate individual skill within that system. Uh, phenomenal person to learn from, um, and i will continue on with him this year. I do the skating instruction for the academy there as well. So uh, multiple, multiple things, and then my company Aim is is um, is growing. Uh, we're launching a, uh, a system in August that will um, uh, be a uh, mentoring and coaching platform with um, uh, coaches on there that are um, highly experienced. Um, more than just myself, there'll be. We'll start off with about a dozen uh, coaches and mentors that are working with the intangible side of the game, uh, the intangible skills. Um, with, uh, registered counsellors, ex-Olympians, um, people that work with uh, um, you know, some, some significant programs, athletic programs throughout North America, um, and we'll be yeah, working off of, a, off of a personalized system, um, which is uh, really exciting. Uh, we'll have a, um, the ability to assess uh, users in, in terms of performance and well-being, based off of um our partner uh, dr wayne hammond a uh, clinical psychologist out of the university of calgary um will we'll be using uh, his uh performance and, and well-being youth questionnaire to um to uh, determine where you're strong in what are your strengths where can we begin with uh with i can in your story and um and build from there uh, and, and um, uh, our coaches will be speaking on on these strengths that we find uh, through this assessment, and and this is a neat assessment because it's uh, Dr. Hammond has been researching it for 25 years. He's been looking at what it takes to be successful uh, as an uh, as an adolescent, uh, prim- primarily in academics. Um, I've helped him uh, and worked with him on adding in. Uh, the athletic piece but um, uh, as soon as I started to work with him and, and see what he was working with in terms of the characteristics and the competencies and life skills I quickly realized that these are uniform and you, you nailed it on the head we're we're working on uh, developing these people these kids uh, not only as high-performing athletes but high-performing students high-performing uh, career people uh, being good good people in their social networks within their family um whatever their their uh, aspiration is within their life we we want to help them and build them up and provide them with the tools and skills to uh to pursue their aspirations in in a healthy and positive way and um uh, we're, we're very excited about that project. So that's going to be launching in August, and, and um, we'll continue to work towards that uh, as we go here. And, and um, a lot of exciting people getting involved with that project. So that's a little bit, a little bit of insight into what's going on uh, with uh, what I'm up to.
0: That's awesome. That's really exciting. That makes that actually brings a smile to my face. And I hope that if anyone's listening. Uh, if you have kids or uh, people, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, have athletes that are coming up or whatever, uh, when this program is launched, look into it, because these are the things that we really need to, like, invest in. You can invest in power skating, you can invest in all this, uh, all this stuff on ice, off ice training, and that's all great, um, but eventually, uh, these kids are not going to be playing hockey and what are they going to be left with, right, and uh, this is so important. Uh, this is incredible like this is the thing these are the like, you know what I mean? Like so like I was saying earlier in the podcast I was saying like as a, you know for the last 10 years I've been trying to think of different ways and this is just like another way of like, you know I I'm not smart enough to think of something like this on my own But I was like sitting there like how what can be done, you know, and this is just one more thing that's like wow You know like this is incredible. Uh, I think it's gonna be great. I hope that people start to take this stuff seriously um, because uh, it goes so much further beyond the on on ice stuff uh, and in the gym stuff, right? And uh, you know, and if we can get you know people you know in the right mindset, it's only going to help their on ice stuff too, right? So it's so powerful, um, Chris. I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, thanks for joining me on here. You're you know you're welcome to come back on any time. Shoot me a message. Let me know what's going on. Uh, you know keep me up to date when you launch uh, I'll be the first one to uh, let people know and support it because I think it's a great idea um, I wish I wish I would have had that opportunity to do that when I was playing you know so thank you for uh, thank you for being you and uh, you know leading the charge and you know helping you know our youth growing up and and these kids that are you know trying to be the next generation of hockey players because we know it isn't easy uh, uh, there's so many struggles and to have people like you in their corner uh, they're very lucky um so i you know i want to thank you again for doing this chris and uh take care of yourself and uh, hopefully this COVID 19 crap ends soon so everyone can get back on the ice yeah buddy well
1: thank you for having me and, and um you're doing you're doing great work in, in being open about your experiences uh are uh, extremely valuable and powerful um so i, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to have the conversation with you and and um yeah for for those of you listening head over to aimline-training.com, aimline training com training facebook page uh and check it out and, and see what we're up to and and uh once again brady thank you for having me and i'd love to love to come back
0: yeah for sure and i'll post uh, the link wherever you guys are listening to this uh In the description i'll make sure that the link for uh, your facebook page uh your website all that information will be there for you guys uh, so make sure you check it out um guys just remember every wednesday morning every saturday morning on the hockey podcast network those are uh, the next episodes i have some exciting guests coming up i have ryan vandenbush coming up i'm really excited to talk to him Uh, i actually got to go to a practice when i was 10 years old Uh, when he was playing with the Chicago Blackhawks with my uh, coach, my personal coach growing up uh, at Puckmasters, and he was friends with Ryan Vandenbush, and uh, Bush, he gave me a stick when I was 10 years old, so it's going to be cool to have him on. Uh, I haven't talked to him since then. But, uh, guys, thank you so much for the support. Chris, thanks for uh, doing this. Uh, Good luck with everything, and I can't wait to talk to you again. And, uh, like I said, as soon as that uh, program, that app is ready, whatever it is, you let me know, buddy, and I'll uh, I'll be the first to promote it. Thanks for doing that. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. thanks chris that's chris beach everybody thanks so much for tuning in guys uh what an experience this has been Uh, there really are no words please 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 if you're struggling uh reach out to somebody uh reach out to me on facebook instagram twitter uh on facebook brady liebold or uh Uh, Hockey to Heroin in the group section, uh, at Hockey to Heroin on Twitter, at Hockey to Heroin on Instagram. Uh, You can reach me also by email if you head over to Hockey to Heroin.com. All the information is right there. Uh, Please, guys, uh, check out AIM Training, Chris Beach's uh, uh, company. The link will be underneath that. He's doing phenomenal things. Uh, I want to thank him again for coming on Uh, what a great conversation Uh, guys really really thanks again Uh, I'm looking around here sitting here in the Matt Lashinsky studio um, envisioning uh, what it's gonna look like in a couple weeks time Um, you know and then I'm envisioning where my life was just a few months ago Um, and it's incredible Um, Thank you so much, Um, I really appreciate it. I want you guys to know that, you know, uh, I know it's not going to be easy, I can't promise that I'm going to stay clean, but if I do relapse, I'm going to come on here and be the first one to say it because if I do relapse, I don't want to relapse for a year. Um, I want to be honest and get it over and dealt with. Um, I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm actually doing things for my recovery these days. But uh, I know that things happened. Uh, I just want to be accountable. Um, guys, I, I just, I've never felt like this in my life. Uh, I had a prenatal appointment with my girlfriend Taylor today. I got to hear my baby's heartbeat. Um, yeah, just incredible. Um, working towards getting my kids back in my life and developing some new relationships with friends and, uh, you know, Talking to my family again, it just been great. So, guys, please uh, keep listening. Subscribe wherever you're listening to. Share it if you like it. If you don't, don't ever listen to it again. Don't share it. But if you do, please do. Thanks again, guys. And again, every Wednesday and Saturday mornings on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks again, guys. Take care.